everybody. Hello again and welcome back to another episode of the Watch Report with me, Jean-Luc Welch. Make some noise, get excited. Uh, slap your neighbor, slap your brother, slap your mama and your daddy. All because you're so excited to get their attention to for this show. That's, that's going on. Okay, maybe don't do all that slap. Slap somebody and let them know that the Watch Report is now officially up on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, anywhere and everywhere you can listen or watch, it's up there. So please, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, comment your thoughts and opinions, like the video, and share with everybody that you know. Please, we got to go to reach 100. We Let's reach 100. We can reach 100 people subscribe to your channel. Then we can reach 1,000. Then I make some moolah. Oh, yes, some money, some dough, some cheddar, some cheese, all to make this show even better for you. So I can get monetized and we can, you know, you know, get on studio, have a oh thing in the background. Oh, we getting that background set up. Don't worry. Oh, we cleared it out. We making some moves. Oh, yes. We about to have this place looking right. Yes, sir. <laughs> Behind me. But don't get used to this blank wall. It's going to change in the future. Trust and believe. I've already heard some of y'all comments. Don't worry. We're going to get it right. <laughs> it just takes a little bit of time. But outside, but uh, um, niceties and introduction aside, my goodness, we got to step into the ring. It is a boxing day, and we got a lot of boxing to cover. Carissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall. Deontay Wilder was his, and his return against Robert Hellenius. And Devin Haney versus Kimbosa. So without further ado, Doc Gunner, it's time to step into the ring. That's right. That's right. Get on your feet, ring the bell, and it's time to get into it. Round one for this entire endeavor. Oh, yes. Oh, I love that sound. Can't get enough of it. Round one for this boxing episode of the Welch Report. We have Devin Haney beating Cambosos again for the undisputed lightweight title in a in a, again a rematch in my opinion a little better than the first fight between Cambosis and Devin Haney Devin Haney again went and just outclassed him fully just just, just absolutely took Cambosis to school again despite Cambosis's best efforts again it was down in Australia Again, it was a hometown crowd for Cambosos in this rematch. You know, people say, oh, you know, hey, that can lead to some suspect judging. But Devin Haney didn't even let it get there. He won by decision, unanimous decision, I believe. But he, it was a complete whitewash from Devin Haney by, or, or of Cambosos by Devin Haney. He just completely outsmarted him. See, and here's the thing. The one thing. That I did that I, the only thing, one of the few things I like, I love Devin Haney a bunch. One of the few things I got, I've always been on about Devin Haney, his defense and then lack of power. That's it. Never said it. now. Granted, understand this: a great boxer doesn't need to be knocking everybody out left, right, and center. No, Devin Haney is truly a phenomenal boxer, a great boxer. He's just undisputed off of a fluke. This man is right now. The best in the division. I don't care about Ryan Garcia. I don't care about Javante Davis. I don't care about Shakur Stevenson. Devin Haney is undisputed lightweight champ. There is nobody else in the division that has a belt except for him. He is unequivocally the best. And he didn't win it off of, you know, suspect judging or anything. This brother legitimately has the skills to back up the title that he has around his waist. And he did exactly what he did in the last fight, if you watched it. If you didn't, here's a quick recap. 
Again, going around, circling, being patient, and then jabbing. Jabbing again. Countering. But this time, however, the thing that was different, which is I can't wait if he does move up in the future to 140. The one thing that's going to benefit him, and I saw in this fight, was the fact of his use of power shots was a lot more prevalent in this fight against Kimbosos. In the first fight, he just, he just jabbed into oblivion. Literally just keeping range, being slick, like he always is, but in the, but not looking to hurt, only looking to keep make sure Cambosos couldn't do anything that he that he wanted to do. And just saying, this is the line of demarcation. You're stuck here. You're, you're stuck here. That's what he did in the first fight. Jab, jab, an abundance of jab. This whole, there is a four-minute YouTube highlight of Devin Haney versus Cambosos of just him jabbing in every jab that he landed. Four minutes worth. It was insane. It was absolutely stupid how accurate he, he is as a boxer. And how accurate he was in the first fight. In the second fight, however, he sat down on his shots, which I love. Devin Haney is a great counterpuncher. He likes to sit, he likes to stay on the outside. He likes to use distance and range. Again, he's a slick boxer. It works to his benefit. Now, however, he was looking to make a statement in this fight and looking to really put out Cambosos. And if you saw Cambosos' face at the end of the fight, hey, it was apparent, oh, he was coming with a different attitude. Devin Haney was coming in to, looking to knock him out this time around in this fight to make it known. Yo, ain't, there ain't no dispute as to who the man is in this division. Didn't knock him out, but he's showing up, put up a performance that I deem is going to be hard to top for anybody else in the division. It's going to be, regardless of how much pedigree and how much talent somebody else has. What is Javante Tank Davis, who, again, has the skills to compete with Devin Haney. Don't get it twisted. Javante Davis can beat him. Ryan Garcia can be. These, these prospects coming up, they have the ability, absolutely. I'm not questioning that. What I am questioning is, does Devin Haney now, like I said in the previous video, will Devin Haney finally, with this performance, get the respect of the masses as the undisputed champ that he is? Because now all roads go through him. And with this performance, I can't wait to see him fight either one of the two. I can't. If, if he fought Ryan Garcia, I would love to see him with his speed. Again, he's not as fast as Ryan, but he is more technically sound, even though Ryan Garcia is getting better. A, that, a fight again between them two would be incredible. And the fight between Javante Tank Davis probably would be the most dangerous for Devin Haney. However, his slickness could win the day. Defense still has some holes, like how he consistently dips in the same direction when trying to evade or escape out of either the corner or out of exchanges or just moving in general. That could get him messed up. Because unlike Cambosos, Javante Davis will have the speed and confidence to throw that uppercut while he's ducking down. As he's, as he's ex, as he is exiting to a new angle, Tank Tank will throw that. Unlike Cambosos was able to, or was even confident to, in any of the two fights that they were in. 
That's probably going to be his biggest test. Ryan Garcia's speed can't catch him on a counter. I'm not saying Devin Haney's defense is perfect. No, his speed, Ryan Garcia's speed can catch Devin Haney's flaws and potentially knock him out with the left hook. Absolutely. However, I think Devin Haney's use of angles, his ability to time his opponent, and to make sure he fights within his rhythm, I don't know Ryan Garcia at this point in time is able to get around that yet. From what I've seen, I'm not saying he's not good. Don't don't be jumping on me with with your with if you're trying to be a family. Don't do that. I've acknowledged that he's got skills. I've acknowledged that he's got speed and he's getting better with every fight. I've acknowledged that. I've acknowledged that he's getting bigger. I've acknowledged that he's getting stronger. He's maturing. Everything's looking up for Ryan Garcia. I just don't know if in the ring he has the level of maturity that right now Devin Haney does in terms of being disciplined to not overcommit and do things that won't win him the fight. Because that's going to be the thing. If Ryan Garcia faces Devin Haney, I think that it's going to be that Garcia is going to force mistakes out of himself and Devin Haney's just going to sit back and capitalize. Because again, Devin Haney's smart. He understands that he's, that he's, he's in a speed war. He may not be able to win against Ryan Garcia. But in terms of timing and in terms of letting the opponent make the mistakes, with the maturity I see out of both boxers, I don't think that Ryan Garcia is going to have the ability to, to be mature enough not to dig his own grave. I'm not talking about getting knocked out. I'm talking about off of points. I don't see that. I feel like Devin Haney is going to be able to be more patient, be willing to force Ryan Garcia to have to fight a fight that he doesn't want to do or get frustrated and then capitalize, get out the way, and then continue that dance over and over and over again. The more Ryan Garcia gets aggressive, the more frustrated he's going to get if he still cannot land the shot that he needs to to hurt Devin Haney or, or catch Devin Haney like he wants to. not saying he can't. I'm saying he may not be able to because of how Devin Haney, again, the slickness in the ring generalship that Devin Haney shows in his fighting style. I could be wrong, but right now that's what I see in the difference between Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia. Now, if Devin Haney went on and faced Tank Davis, that might be a different story. Again, Devin Haney is the guy to beat. Sure, absolutely so. He has the right to be called the best lightweight in the world. He is undisputed. He's the man that all roads go through. But from a talent perspective, we could see Javante Tank Davis not only match him, but potentially usurp him. Because see, the difference between Davis and Garcia, when they fight Devin Haney, at least from what I see, is that the problem that Ryan might have, I don't think Davis is going to have. Because Davis 
nearly as again quick like like Ryan Garcia, not as quick, but still incredibly incredibly fast, incredibly explosive, incredibly explosive puncher and mover when he wants to move around the ring and has an has a stupid high IQ. Dumb high IQ. Man, it's smart. Smart inside that squared circle. And he's willing to be patient. We've seen him do it before. Remember Rolly Romero? Everybody was like, Rolly, Rolly came out, was, was actually giving him some work. Round one. Landed a good shot. Won that round and, and legitimately had people thinking, oh, wait a minute, this guy actually may be coming up. He may actually give Tank a run for his money. All Tank did was wait. Wait, buy some time, read, and then reacted when the opening was available. And then boom, one shot, it's over. One shot, it was done. Over, just like that. A, a, a hook rebounding off the ropes from Rolly Romero becoming too aggressive. Boom. Caught him. It was over. Didn't even put his, he didn't even put his whole body into the punch. All he did was just time it. And done. That's a level of discipline that I don't see Ryan Garcia have. But I do see Davis having. That's a level of poise that I don't see Garcia having. But I do see Davis having. And on top of the fact that he's got the power that Davis doesn't have. And that's the one thing. Davis may be able, Javante Tank Davis may be able to force Devin Haney out of his comfort zone due to the fact that he has the speed to keep up with him. He can be, he, he is a ring general in his own right that can potentially usurp Haney's uh, ring generalship. Once he says, okay, I got you, he'll turn it on and flip a switch. Next thing you know, now you're out of control. He did it with Mario Barrios. He fought Mario Barrios. Mario Barrios, not aggressive fighter, long, lanky, good jab, was a champion. Went and fought Tank Davis. Was winning some rounds legitimately. But then all of a sudden, Tank, once he got what Barrios was doing, figured him out. And what did he do? Boom, straight right hand. Or, excuse me, straight left hand. Was he, is he southpaw? Can't remember. Straight, he, he, uh, it was either a straight lead or a straight power. Whichever power hand he had, he just threw that. He just threw it. That's it. I believe it was, I believe it was a lead left. Lead power left. Just walked him down, pop. No setup, just pop. Every time it was opening, pop. And next thing you know, knocked him, knocked him out. Barrios was legitimately giving some good work, and then boom, just like that, he's on the ropes, being stalked down. And it was, it was, it was incredible. This is not just a battle of power versus slickness. This is a battle of mental ring generalship. Mentally, how Devin Haynes has been able to outthink. Every opponent he's faced. Every single one. 
Javante Tank Davis, though, is just as smart as a Devin Haney, but has power to boot. It doesn't necessarily have to worry about Devin Haney's power. Because again, Devin Haney was, again, like I said, at the start of this whole thing, Devin Haney and him sitting down on his shots, especially later in the round, something I've always, that I've wanted to see him do for a long time. And in this fight, it boded true. Once you got somebody figured out, don't just jab, jab, jab. Now you can still land effective shots. They don't have to all just be like scoring shots. They can be shots with the intent to hurt. And he did it. At one point in time, he threw three, four hard hooks to the body and to the head. And it was it was phenomenal. I want to see him do that more once he has an opponent figured out and understanding what his openings are. Because it could potentially even give him an easier time in the ring because now they understand that if they come in recklessly, they, they, they're going to pay. And not just in terms of, oh, I'm going to get, you know, tagged with a light shot or a quick combination that may not, you know, do me no harm. But I'll further go down in points. No, I'm, I'm going to fill some of these. That's what Devin Haney was doing against Cambosos. And I loved it. But against Javante Tank Davis, while I loved I while I love that he's doing that, I don't know if that's going to be able to deter Tank. Because Tank has everything you need to be a champion. Everything you need. But the one thing that stands above all is that he's got, lack of a better term, he's got that dog in him. And by dog, I'm not just saying, oh, he's got the intent to win, or he's got the, you know, oh, he's got power, or he'll take you out. No. When I say he has that dog in him, I'm saying that Javante Tank Davis is going to not let Devin Haney do the one thing that Devin Haney does best. Which is when Devin Haney's in trouble, or when he feels that he's in danger, he clinches. What was it? 50-something clinches in the first fight with Cambosos? 40, maybe, what was it? 47, 50 clinches in the first fight, in abundance of clinches in the second fight. Not as many, but still a lot. Initiated by Devin Haney. Again, some by Cambosos, but the majority were by Devin Haney. And it's because once he lands and he wants to be safe, what's he going to do? Boom. Get right into you. Smother everything. Tank won't let that happen. He will push you off. He will. Or when he knows that you're coming in for the clinch, he's not going to wait. No, it's going to be you got a shot coming at you. Tank will make it so that you don't want to clinch because of the danger that is potentially in your vicinity. He'll turn that clinch into an advantage. Tank will flip you around and put you in the corner off of a clinch. Because he, he, he's that smart and he's that adaptable. 
And he's got a chin so he can come forward. Again, we saw it against Isaac Cruz with a broke hand or broke wrist, one of the two. We saw it. A hard hitter, an aggressive fighter, took some shots and kept going. And Isaac Cruz is a, again, is a is a is is a dog when it comes to inside fighting. That man is a spectacle to, to behold, and he's got some power. And he landed flush on on Davis more than a couple times, and Davis still can't held his own with a limited arsenal. And stood there and took it when he got hit. So. Devin Haney, with a severe lack of power compared to that, is he's willing to walk through. He's willing to walk through. Couple that with all of his other attributes, the insane power, the explosiveness, the chin, the IQ, the ability to take angles, the ability to adapt. Power in both hands, speed in both hands. Ability to consistently work his way on the inside. Regardless of who is trying to keep him at bay. This man is is the real deal. If you're a hater of Tank Davis, forget you. Because this brother has everything you want in a fighter. Everything. Studies the sport. Is committed to the sport. And it's also exciting while showing, if you're paying attention, incredibly deep technical knowledge. You can argue he's the most well-rounded fighter in the division. Loman is probably the most technical. Ryan Garcia is probably, not probably, is the fastest. Devin Haney might be the slickest. Shakur Stevenson, who just moved up, might be the most disciplined. But Javante Tang Davis has all of those at a high level. On top of being the most powerful. So this man is for real. And against Devin Haney, it will be an incredible fight to see. Incredible fight to see. I would, I'd I'd pay good money to see that fight. That would be both exciting and a technical masterclass from both of them. From both of them. Be in what chef's kiss perfect, perfect. But we, I hope that fight happens. We don't know, but right now, we bask in the glory of Devin Haney, we bask in the greatness that he's shown, and how he consistently proved against Cambosos that he is the better man, he is the better boxer, he's one of the best boxers in the division, should be ranked. In the top 10 pound for pound. The fact that he isn't is utterly ridiculous. 
The fact that he is not is utterly stupid. Devin Haney is not in the pound for pound list, even though he's undefeated and undisputed at lightweight. And right now, one of the best top-heavy divisions in the world. It's not the deepest, but that top five is, is incredible. Top five, top six is incredible. And right now, he's reigning over all of them. And people still, and, and, and ESPN and others don't have him in the pound for pound list. That's insane. That's insane. Give this man the flowers that he's due. Stop giving Devin Haney the disrespect that he does not deserve. He earned everything he got. He earned the respect of everybody. If you don't respect him, he, you, you better, because he's earned your respect. This man is one of the best boxers in the world, point blank, period. That moniker should be met with a top 10 pound-for-pound distinction. Where you want to rank him, it's up to you. Point being, he still needs to be in the 10. Irregardless. Irregardless. Just the fact that he isn't mentioned there. If you put him there and you don't disagree, okay, you can fight all you want. But the fact that he's not even in there is Utterly stupid. Absolutely ridiculous. With how hard it is to become undisputed in today's modern era. And the fact that he did it. At such a young age. That, that it. Absolutely horrible. The fact that this is what we're doing to this man. Absolutely ridiculous that we're still holding this man out of a distinction that he has aptly deserved. It's just another, just another problem with boxing. The no concrete standard that lets people cheat others out of titles, distinctions, and praise that they so rightly deserve. Devin Haney's gained my respect. Been had it for a long time. Should have yours too. Whether you think he's going to win or lose against Ryan Garcia or Tank Davis or whoever else you want to have him face. Lomachenko, Shakur Stevenson. Whoever. No matter if you think he's going to win or lose against them. Point being that you need to recognize he is legit. Period. No hate, all love is what should be directed in his way. At minimum, all respect for his abilities. All respect for his abilities. And if you rob him of that, you're robbing yourself. Robbing yourself. But next topic of the day. Oh, yes. Deontay Wilder came back. And good gosh, did he come back in emphatic, 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 yeah, emphatic, emphatic fashion. This 
like, oh, if you watched John T. Wilder and then you went to look at your phone, you probably missed the fight. What was it? It was like a minute, was it minute 24, minute 27, something like that in the first round. And ends him. Ends him. Ended him. Absolutely ended Robert Laney's with one right hand. And what made it even better? Understand that Dante Wilder only landed three punches that entire fight. Only landed three punches that entire fight. He got outlanded by Robert Laney's five to three. And with one shot, utterly destroyed Robert Lynch. Many, If you saw that knockdown, you know that was scary. That was horrifying. That, 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 I haven't been afraid of somebody hitting the, hitting the, hitting the dirt in a long time. But that knockout, that, that was horrifying. Robert went down, hit the back of his head, went stiff, didn't get up for about six minutes. He didn't blink for about three. That that was that that John T. Wilder has become the George Foreman of this entire division. He's the George Foreman of the modern day. Not in skill, but in terms of just oh outright fear. This man is the scariest boxer. In the world today. He is. He's the scariest boxer in the world today. And the problem. That many people. Have with him. With him not being technical. The problem that I've had with him not being technical. Is what makes him so scary. Because of the fact that you know. There are so many people in that division that are more technically sound than him. And you know that at the top three, with him right now being the third, or fourth, whether you have him in front of or behind Anthony Joshua, he cannot all of them out. Regardless of whether he's, it, it doesn't matter if he's getting beat, the kingdom come and losing. That's it. Tyson Fury, if he fights him again, many people don't, people may not want to see it, but trust and believe, I'll watch. That's not the fight I'm looking forward to, but if that did happen, I would watch. But if he fought Fury, if he fought Usyk, we fought AJ, we fought Ruiz, we fought Joe Joyce. Every name that is named is either a champion or a prospect at being champion. Or was a champion. And he can knock all of them out. All of them. Without any technical ability whatsoever. That's what makes him so feared. That's what makes him so feared. That's what makes him so ferocious, so scary, horrifying to fight against. 
Because the fact that you can do everything right and just off of his athletic ability and speed at the heavyweight division, you won't be able to stop everything that he throws at you. Even if he throws at a minimalist pace, one mistake can actively end the night. Very few people. That's a that, that's a general term in boxing. One mistake can end it. One punch can end it. I dare say it hasn't been more adept to show than Deontay Wilder. I very very few boxers I've had I've looked at and said, okay, yeah, with him, absolutely right. One punch can end it all. Can end it all. Very few boxes I've said that about. But then one punch can end everything. And it's the fact that in this fight, even though we only got a sample size, a minuscule amount to see how much he's adapted and changed from the from from the wars that he went through with Tyson Fury. We still saw him getting better. Moving around, well, first off, even beforehand, before any of that, the brother actively slimmed down. This man went from 250-something to 214, and I said that his best weight is 212 and 220, between that range. Optimally, 215. Optimally, 212 to 215 is his best weight. In this division. For him in general. As a boxer. And it showed well. Bold it true. You saw more pep in his step. More agile around the ring. Again his footwork still isn't great. That's fine. But we see him using it a lot more. If you watch the fight you got to see him. He's patient. Patient. You could tell that he was thinking. Not only to see what Robert Elanius was going to do, but looking to set up a shot. And not just the standard one-two that we know he can do on a consistent basis. He was actively looking for an opening. You saw the wheels turning as he was moving around the ring. Saw him not expending energy. You saw him being patient. You saw all of that. So all of that, it was great. Punches, quick, fast. I'm telling you, he threw like, he threw, I think he threw a body jab and a jab to the head very few times. Again, he only landed three shots. But I'm telling you, once once we get to see him use that jab more, it's going to be lethal. But overall, we see the speed of his punches ramped up. We see it happening. They're just ever so tighter. And it's to his benefit. He was composed when it came to him being pressured. Robert Elanius was coming forward. Wilder was on that was 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 the one moving around the ring. He was the guy that was that was dancing on the ropes and, and, and actively shifting around 
looking to, looking to get an opening. We saw that. He was Wilder was the one that was being pressured, even though he's the most dangerous guy in the ring, and he did not lose his composure. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing. Everybody knows that he has problems on the back foot. Everybody knows that he cannot fight on the back foot, which is what Tyson Fury exposed about. And from that, we thought that, okay, now he's going to be desperate to never get on that again. We may see a, a more aggressive Wilder than we've ever seen before. We may see a Wilder that will just, just, just lunge forward until that you can't even attempt to put him in his weakened state, which is on the back foot fighting backwards. That could have been the Wilder that we see. But we got a Wilder that went out and actively fought in a conservative state, going backwards. And he landed the knockout, rebounding off of the ropes. Just about got, no, no, not just about, was cornered. Rebounded off the ropes and landed a short right hand. He didn't even extend the shot. Robert Lanius was coming forward, got reckless for a split second. You saw Wilder's eyes open up like it was Christmas morning. And immediately threw that short right hand. I almost missed it. I almost missed it. Some people thought it was a left hook. Some people can't even believe that Robert Lanes got knocked out with how seemingly little effort that Wilder put into that punch. But rebounding off the ropes, off his back foot, in a position where he's normally in trouble and cannot do anything, scored the knockout against a, against a legitimate Opponent in Robert Hellenius, who has a chin, who can take shots. Yes, he's been knocked out twice, but he's one of the tougher boxers in the entire division. That's a fact. That's a fact. That is a bona fide fact. And he's got power of his own. And he's got his own good one, too. And deceptively, he can throw combinations once he gets rolling. Like we saw against Karnowski. And the Polish, was it the Polish away from New Jersey? Or New York? Somewhere around that range. Brooklyn? I can't remember. Either way. If you watch those two fights, you saw what he's actually capable of. The two biggest wins of his career. And he... So he was, he was, he's a legit opponent. And Wilder did this in his most unoptimal position. In the weakest part of his game, he scored an amazing knockout without putting any effort into that punch. That's how strong Wilder is. That's how bad this brother is. I said in the past, and I'm going to say it again, this man could become undisputed. At 30, was he, what is he, 36, 38? I believe he's 36 years old. He's up there. He could be undeceived before he turns 40. That's, that, that's how lethal that right hand is. Again, the greatest right hand that this sport has ever seen. 
better than Foreman, better than Tyson, better than Ernie Shapers, better than Joe Frazier, better than Joe Lewis. It doesn't matter. Better than Linus Lewis. It does not matter. Better than Archie Moore. Better than Klitschko. Both of the brothers. The greatest and most, I would argue, I would argue that outside of Joe Frazier's left hook, Deontay Wilder's right hand is the most lethal weapon in boxing. I would argue that. Outside of Joe Frazier's left hook, Deontay Wilder's right hand might be the most lethal punch that boxing's ever seen. I said, right, I've been saying the greatest right hand that we've ever seen. But, Beyond that round, we, we, we can broaden it. Outside of Joe Frazier's left hook, that right hand might be the most lethal punch that boxing has ever seen. It very well could be. It very well could be. And that right hand, coupled with the small input, we didn't even get to see the rest of Wilder's game that he has developed in this long layoff that he took leading up to his comeback. But just these things alone, the newfound patience, the level of, 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 of thought process that he's taking, it's not just being reckless and thinking more and more, coupled with the ability to punch from a disadvantageous, the most disadvantageous position for him, go off the back foot and still stay composed, stay poised, and attack the opening with such speed. This man could be undisputed champion. And anybody vaunts his power? No. I've said this in the past. Wilder is one of the heavyweights that can run through everybody. Not because of his technical skill, but because of his build. We saw Anthony Joshua get on the mic and say, oh, you know, you want me to fight like Rocky Marciano and all these other people. You know, I'm 16 stone. I'm 250. I'm two whatever. Six foot, what is he, 6'6"? 6'6", 6'5", 240, 250. I'm a big heavyweight. Those, those were his words. But we are seeing exactly why heavyweights back in the day were so lethal, as well as why they would be able to run through most of, if not all the heavyweights that we see today, if they fought today. Because that smaller frame lets you be exactly what we're seeing Wilder be right now. Explosive, fast, athletically superior. Not weighed down. Wilder is an athletic freak compared to everybody else in the division. Because he's got an innate speed. Not hand speed. Innate speed. Gifted speed. It's not just when he throws a punch he's quick. No. Everything about him is quick. 
Everything about him is explosive. When he comes in for a punch, it's explosive. If he wants to step, especially when he wants to step in, when he wants to step in and commit to a punch, the whole process, not just his hands flying, everything from the step that he takes forward to following through with the punch, all of it is fast. And it's too fast for you to react because you are too big and too slow. That's the problem. People forget Mike Tyson was a huge man, but he was also 5'11". Guess what his weight was? 215 to 220 in his prime. That's what makes these heavyweights so hard to stop if they fought today. And while Wilder is a perfect example of why size is not everything. Because everybody was talking about leading up to this fight, not just the mental toll that we may see Wilder go through and whether he's fully recovered mentally from the beating that he took from Fury and the wars that he went through, but it was also Wilder's always had trouble fighting bigger people or men that are his size. Robert Lane is six, six and a half, 254. Long reach. Uh, we don't, Wilder may not be able to do what he wants to do. No. Despite that, Wilder is a slim athletic build that allows him to maximize all of his explosiveness in one go when he wants to. To the point that you can see it coming and you still can't react to it. That's what makes him so different. You can see, you you can see and know exactly what I'm gonna do, and you still can't stop it because you are not fast enough. It's the speed that's killing these folks. Regardless of the lack of talent, regardless of the lack of boxing ability, it's the speed that he has. And the limited skills that he has mastered. Finding the opening, being able to shoot off the one, two, or even just the two, and just the right hand naked if he wants to. And the natural power and the ability to capitalize when somebody makes a mistake. All of that. All of those. In that limited sphere has gotten to where he is now. And from what I saw against Robert Elanius, he might have added some more stuff that he just didn't use. I still need to see more, but that would need for him to have to go longer than three rounds. And he may not even need to do that. We could very well see the most dangerous version of Deontay Wilder. And that's a composed Deontay Wilder. We can very well see the most dangerous version of Deontay Wilder come to fruition later in his career. And I get and I understand. Robert Lanius was picked. Yes, he was good. Don't get it twisted. He was good. Is good. But he was picked as a comeback fight for a reason. To let Wilder use the skills that he's developed. Get back in the mode of, okay, I'm back in the ring. And to make a statement. 
It's true. It's the truth. It's not disrespect on Robert Elanius, but that is why he was chosen. But even still, what I expected to happen happened. But I expected to happen in five. I didn't expect it to happen in one. I did not expect it to happen in one round. And it's because I didn't expect this level of composure from Wilder that I saw in this fight. I didn't get to see the left hook. I didn't get to see any of the, any, any, I didn't get to see a, 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 a better jab. I didn't get to see better footwork, even though I, I see it has, it's not what it used to be. It's more competent. But I didn't get to see, get, I didn't get to see a, an example shown like I would have liked to see. With that being said, the small changes that I did see, despite the stiff upper body movement, despite the steel suspect high guard that he uses, despite still the glaring potholes that he has, despite being off balance when he throws some shots, like when he threw a jab to the body, still doesn't have that solid base to stay balanced the entire time when he's throwing punches that you may not be used to throwing. Despite all of that, the improvements that I did see, the willingness and, and the commitment to going back to what he is actually best at, which is being lean, athletic, lanky, and fast. Not just hand speed fast like Andy Ruiz. He's got incredible hand speed when throwing punches, absolutely. I'm talking about all around, quick and explosive. With him coming down to 214 and him being patient, him being poised, him waiting for an opportunity, him not overexerting himself, him not getting pressured when he gets put on the back foot and not and and no longer, he's still not great from what we saw. But what we have, but what we are seeing is that he is no longer just outright uncomfortable. He knows what to do if he gets pushed backwards, which he didn't know what to do against Fury. And in this limited sphere, what we got to see is him understanding, okay, I'm in trouble, but don't panic. And that's the, that's the that that's one of the main things I ever I've always wanted to see out of him. When you get in trouble, just don't panic. If you can just keep your head when you get in trouble, or you get in a position that you're not used to, that you don't like, it lets you find a way out. That's something that Wilder could not do. Pre Tyson Fury. However, now. He's shown that he can. And that's horrifying for the entire division. For the entire division. Love to see him fight against Joe Joyce if he has to. I believe he's going to fight Andrew Ruiz. And then one of that gets Usyk or Fury or whoever. Yeah, regardless, well, Fury's fighting Chisora, which nobody wants to see. 
But after Ruiz, I believe he fights Fury. I mean, I believe he fights Usyk, excuse me. I believe he fights Usyk after he fights Ruiz. But whether he fights Usyk, whether he fights Ruiz, whether he fights Joe Joyce, or whether he fights AJ, everybody better be scared. Because this may be bold, but I don't care. I think this is a different Wilder that we're seeing. Still wants to kill. But now, the wheels are turning more and more. The composure is there. He didn't show a lot of the skills I wanted him to show because he didn't need to show all those skills. He pulled exactly what he needed to do from his bag and did nothing more. And I'm never going to be mad at that. When he has to pull out those requisite skills that I need, to see, that I need him to show, that's when I'm going to say, okay, what you going to do? But when you can do exactly what you need to and nothing more, I've said this in the past, brilliant. That's exactly what makes a champion. It's not always about showing everything. It's about being able to do exactly what you need to do and then moving on. Picking and choosing what skill sets you need to prioritize and then using those skill sets. And when called on to do more, you do more. But outside of that, you don't. You get what you need done, done, and you get out of there. That's what Wilder's doing right now. And it does my heart good to see him. I'm, I'm incredibly excited to see him. I'm incredibly excited to see him. Because the small things that I saw in this fight, in this limited capacity, are enough to take anybody out in the division. Enough to take anybody out. If he stays like this, if he stays at a hundred, not a hundred, if he stays at 214, 220, in between that range, and he keeps committing to this level of thought process and patience, we could very well see a new undisputed champ. And the first American undisputed champ, I believe since Mike Tyson, in the heavyweight division at least. And his name will be Deontay Wilder. Oh, he can absolutely happen. It can happen now more than ever. Because against Usyk, the league's better. But we saw him get we saw him get hit by AJ. We saw him in his first in his first introduction to the heavyweight division. We saw him get tagged a couple times. Took it well, absolutely, but still saw him get hit. And to get in, and the one thing about boxing is that you cannot ever get hit. Only person that I believe has done that in one round is really really pep. And even he could only do it for one round. He was perfect for one round. Did not get hit once and won the round. Still got hit later on in the fight. Won the fight, but still, he got hit. He got touched. Nobody's ever just can't be touched for the entire fight. You can't avoid somebody for the entirety of a fight. And all Deontay Wilder needs is one shot. 
And that one shot can end everything. End it all. Mess everything up. End your night. And like we saw against Robert, well, he it doesn't even have to be all there. It can be just a tap. A tap from him is the equivalent of a full-blown power punch from nearly every other heavyweight in the division. Especially if it's off a counter. But he has that level of power. More importantly, he's got that level of speed and athleticism. And even more importantly, he's developed patience. And if he's developed patience, and if he can keep this composure, this man is slated to be undisputed champ. And it can be a boogeyman. No, no, excuse me. He's already a boogeyman. But could be even harder to fight now than he was in the past. My goodness, we're going to have to see. I can't wait for it. I can't wait to see him fight again. Shoot, he may be able to fight within a couple months because he ain't take no damage. We can see if we can see a next a next fight, the next fight against Andy Ruiz or Joe Joyce or whoever he chooses to fight could be sooner than ever. So we ain't got, there's no waiting time because he ain't taking no damage at all. There's no recovery needed because all oh, the only recovery that's needed is for Robert Delaney's. Wilder didn't get didn't nothing happened to him. So we could we could see a new a next generation and a new layer to Wilder be unveiled again sooner than later. And I can't wait for it. I cannot wait for it. This man is a monster, and I can't wait to see him fight again. My goodness. And then lastly. For this topic, for the topics of the day, Clarissa Shields beats Savannah Marshall to become the undisputed champ in the third weight class. The only time that's happened in the history of the sport, men or women, regardless of gender, the only time that a three-division undisputed champ has ever been crowned, Clarissa Shields. This woman has called herself the quote, greatest woman of all time. And I knew she was great. But this may have solidified it for me. This may have solidified it for me. This was an action-packed fight that she went with against Savannah Marshall. Both undefeated. Savannah Marshall, I believe, was what was she, 12-0 with 10 KOs, a knockout beast. A bunch of knockouts coming within within the first three rounds. She's a fighter that gets better as a fight goes on. And Clarissa Shields took it to her. She took it to her. And was overall better the entire fight. Had the tighter punches. Had the cleaner punches. Whenever she got hit by Savannah Marshall, Shields went right back and landed a big shot of wrong. Ended up landing two or three big shots. And it was like that from round one. Consistent combination punching. Taking advantage of the long limbs of Savannah Marshall. Understanding that a longer fighter in close range cannot punch as tight as me. Hence, I can land more often and more consistently as long as I make sure to take the fight to her. Not be afraid to get caught. Even though she did get caught a couple times. Especially later in the fight. When Marshall started really pulling out the stops. 
but she still held her own and committed to fighting in danger and came out the other side for it. It was incredible. It's not fight of the year. It's, it was a phenomenal fight. Action packed from bell to bell. Not fight of the year, though. That still goes to Amanda Serrano versus Katie Taylor. In that war, that that can be viewed as, as fight of the year. But this is one good fight. Neither woman should be upset at the result. Because both of them proved their medal. It's just that Clarissa Shields was just better. More aggressive. Or rather, no, that both of them were equally as aggressive. Clarissa was just tighter. She was more concise with her punches. And she was able to consistently get on the inside and take advantage of it. If Savannah Marshall shelled up, she instantly went to throwing combinations. Not one shot, pot shots. Nah, went straight to it. Went straight to it. If you got on the ropes with either of them, if either of them got on the ropes, the opponent would open up. But Clarissa Shields was just, the. it was the speed and the technical mastery of how to throw a punch on the inside everything was tight loaded up quick and concise no wasted looping movement allowed her to consistently land and get around the guard of Savannah Marshall and get through the gaps that Savannah Marshall was having on defense and allowed her to counter on a consistent basis. It, but it was it was it was it was great. It was great. That was a phenomenal fight. Phenomenal fight. She showed that she's the best in the division. And she shows that she deserves to be number one in the women's pound for pound. And she should be in the in, in top ten pound for pound. If there's a dual list, she's on there. For men and women, she's on there. She is on there. If there's a dual list for men and women in the pound for pound rankings, she is on there. This woman is doing things that we've never seen before. On top of fighting at a high level and fighting every big name that is available for her to fight, not wasting any time, fighting everybody in the prime, backing up every word. It, she is. Incredible. She's incredible. She is incredible. As a trailblazer and as a boxer, incredible. And this woman has potentially has solidified herself as the greatest woman female boxer of all time. She's called herself the quote. And it's getting harder, it's getting harder and harder to argue against her. It's getting hard to argue against her, especially what she's accomplished in such a short amount of time. And the opposition that she's facing consistently is hard. Couple that with her fighting in the UFC and now the PLF, or the PFL, excuse me. Winning in and outside of, of boxing and MMA. It's, 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 it's great. It's great. 
And she and every other woman, along with Katie Taylor, excuse me, along with Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano, Savannah Marshall, and, and everybody that was on that card, is putting women's boxing where it's supposed to be. Women's boxing is, they, they can scrap. They can go. Only problem is because they're not women, many people don't care. But this, this fight, on top of the, the, the co-main event before them, that was an incredible fight, a very good technical war, coupled with Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano in fight of the year, these women are putting this sport where it's supposed to be, giving it the love and the limelight from the, from the fans that it desperately deserves. Clarissa Shields and, Kate and, and, and Savannah Marshall sold out the O2 Arena in London. It's never been done before. It's never been done. That's never been done before. That's safe for people like AJ, Tyson Fury. What would have been Conor Ben versus, versus Chris Eubank Jr. before that whole drug situation happened. Those are the types of fights that sell out that arena. Normally not women. This well-deserved sellout and well-deserved the money. Well-deserved the time to watch. I'm glad I took my time out to see it. I'd see a rematch between the two if it happens. Between them and the Coleman event, I will see a rematch between both fights. It was great. A phenomenal night. And it gives the women the respect they deserve from the fans that we are legitimate. We go to war. And we are. We're not just here. But we're thriving. Come see what we're about. I love it. Can't wait to see more of it. I'm excited to see more of it. And it's pushing the sport where it needs to be. Where there's not a distinction between men and women in terms of talent level. But it's just, you know two people are fighting. And you know that they can fight. Hence, you want to see the fight. That's how it should be across the board. Whether it's men or women. But for a long time, it's just been, oh, it's women's boxing. and eh, whatever. Now, that's not the case anymore. Now that's the, the, that that peel is being ripped off and, 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 and the brush and the weeds are being cleared away for you to be able to see this is what this sport is about. So this is what these people are doing. This isn't women's boxing. This is boxing. And I want to see boxing. And these women can box. Hence, I want to see them. Because they put on a fight just as good as we see these men put on. Just as good. Just as ferocious. Just as technically, technically driven. Just as action-packed. Just as gritty. Just as animosity-filled. Just as exciting. All of it wrapped up into, into what these women are doing. So that they shut off the name or they shut out the moniker of his women's boxing. It's just boxing. And it's good. 
And I want to see more. I want to see more. I can't wait to see more. This is what the sport is supposed to be about. And that whole night on Saturday was capped. It was capped by a knockout with Wilder and Hellenius. But the whole night was incredible. Fight of the year contender with Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall. Upset on the undercard in another action pack, or not undercard, excuse me, upset in the Coleman event for an action packed night. Then you move on to Cambosa versus Devin Haney. A phenomenal technical fight there. And then you end the night with Wilder knocking out Robert Elanius, coupled with Caleb Plant absolutely destroying Anthony Durrell on the left hook with all the smack talk they had. It was great throughout the night. Great throughout the night. This is what this sport is supposed to be. And the more we can see of it, the better this sport's going to be of it. The more nights that this, that, that this sport is able to put on that are like this, the more you get fans more invested. The more fans you bring back that used to love boxing and now don't like it. The more you get people to want to tune in and see the greatness that's developing before them. The only problem that I had with the whole night was that you had to pay 70 bucks to see Wilder versus Hellenius. Granted, you got Caleb Plant versus Anthony Durrell, but still, the price is a little too high for a non-title fight. It had, you know, pay-per-view. That's not really pay-per-view material. It's still good. It's not pay-per-view material. But outside of that, phenomenal across the board. I can't wait to see more. It is exactly what the sport needs. And trust and believe, the more it happens, or whatever happens, I'm going to be not only advocating for this sport to get better, but I'm going to be there tracking and talking about it every step of the way. So, this has been another episode of The Watch Report. I'm so happy to be back and to be with you all. This has been great. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, leave a like, leave a like on the video. Comment your thoughts and opinions. Share please and subscribe to the channel and then listen to it and subscribe on apple Podcasts. follow on spotify and all those things follow me on twitter so you can get my updates on all things happening in all of sports not just boxing but in all of sports they'll be in the description below this has been the welch report i've been your host john luke welch you've been beautiful lovely incredible we about to head out of here peace and love we out of here <laughs>